It's second nature. It's instinctive, automatic. You ever heard somebody say something like that when they just finished something that seemed to be really, really hard? And you, you really didn't even know what to do with it because what they just accomplished, you thought, I could never do that. I, I, every once in a while, I'll see somebody accomplish something. Maybe it's a, a do-it-yourself you know, kind of task at home where they're very mechanically inclined and they know how to fix things or they know how to build things. And, and then they'll say something like, well, it's just second nature to me. Or, or somebody who's out in the driveway and they have fixed something in their car and they think, and they say, well, you know, it's just automatic. I've always done this kind of stuff with my hands. Whereas with me, none of that is second nature to me. If other people are mechanically inclined, I'm actually mechanically declined. I can't fix anything, but I can break almost everything. And so when I begin to think about what is really second nature to me, what comes really naturally to me, this is the place where I have to think, how do we put holiness actually into practice? How do we take it from being this idea that's in our minds and this thing that gets communicated in the Bible that James is writing to us about. And, and really, when you look at chapter 3, the whole of it, it gives us kind of this duality of, of how we do put holiness into practice, how we're obedient to God in a way where it is instinctive and second nature and automatic to us. It really shows up when it becomes very repetitious in our life. If I could put it another way, when holiness becomes habitual. We think about habits oftentimes as being the bad stuff in our life, the, the things we're trying to break, the actions we're trying not to uh, give into. But I think that you can try to think about holiness as something that becomes your primary go-to default kind of nature. Just like when you buy a brand new phone, there's all of these settings inside of it that it has a default ringtone, it has a default brightness on the screen, it has, a, it has all of these default settings about when it's going to ding and buzz and whir and, and wake you up in the morning. And you have to physically go in and you have to manipulate all of those settings to what you want it to be as the default settings. What kind of ringtone do you want? You know, what is the brightness and the, and the volume setting that you really think is optimal for you? And as we pursue holiness, we have to choose some new defaults in our life so that we can put holiness into practice. One of the first things that James talks about here in the third chapter is that controlling your words is a sign of Christ's control over your heart. Really, that's what the default settings in our lives come down to is what's the controlling operating system inside of your life? And if Christ is in control of your heart, then that will show up in your words as a sign because what you say really does reveal what's in your heart. And oftentimes we, we play that off of, you know, well, I let something slip over here or, you know, I thought that the truth was this the way I read it in Scripture, but my emotions lead me in another direction. I, I think that's one of the reasons that in this particular chapter of the book of James, he opens it up in, ver in verse 1 by saying, Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. When it comes to the words that we're going to communicate to people about what truth is, 
then there needs to be a default setting in our heart that, that we have set our lives aside for the purposes and the will of God uh, to pursue holiness, that even everything that we say, whether you're a teacher or whether you're the person who's the learner in a room, that you're going to let Christ be the controller of your heart so that then he's the one who controls your words. As James talks through this passage, he uses these very real-time kind of illustrations of a, a bit that's in a horse's mouth. It's just a really small piece of metal, but it controls this massive animal or the rudder on a ship that when you think about the scale of the size of a rudder in comparison to the rest of the entire vessel, it's a really small part but it has immense control and power, or even fire. Uh, the, the very element of fire can be something that can be very productive or it can be very destructive. And the way that we use our words when it comes to whether or not we're living for Christ or for ourselves, they can be very productive or they can be very destructive. That's why I think back in the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 6, verse 45, that even from Jesus' own teachings, he said, a good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. And even Jesus is trying to communicate this to us, that, that whatever's in your heart is going to come welling out, out of the abundance of the heart. So if you're wondering how your holiness is progressing, you can test your tongue, test your language. Back in James chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, he says, Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives? My brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt water spring yield fresh water. It's really critical that you know that what's in your heart is going to show up. Is it sacred truth or is it sarcastic barbs? Is it Bible or is it backbiting? Is it gospel or is it gossip? And it's really critical here that we see that James then makes a transition from what's easily noticed, our words, to what motivates us. As he goes to the, the last portion of chapter 3, really verses 13 all the way down to verse 18, he wants us to know that the wisdom that you choose to use is based on the way you want to live your life. Now, all of us have motivations. We've all got things that are driving us. And so what wisdom is it that you choose to live out your life? It gets down to the words that we use are kind of the how. They're the practical outworking of it all. But your total way of life, not just your kind of everyday kind of motivations, not just whims and wishes, but like what is the wisdom that you're choosing to live by? Is it going to be wisdom that, that produces gentleness towards other people? Or is it a kind of worldly motivation that is just for selfish ambition? It really sounds like to me like it's a choice between prioritizing God's kingdom or prioritizing your own little world. I've always thought that we've got to figure out what the motives are that are driving us. And I think that the world's motivations are oftentimes hoarding as much as you can get, achieving as much success as you can have, 
and building up a reputation so everybody thinks you're great. So hoarding, achievements, reputation. But God's kingdom has a very different motivation. It is his covenant. It is his mission. It is his rulership in our life. And so you've got to choose. Are you going to be motivated by the things of the world or are you going to be motivated by God's kingdom, covenant, and mission? Because when you do that, you can connect all of the heart and the words and the actions of your life. It is this place where you have to make the decision of setting your life apart and aside for the will and the purposes of God. Remember, that's what holiness is all about. It's more than just your ethical standards. It's more than just choosing what's right and wrong. Choosing what's right and wrong is inside of the life of holiness. But, the, but this holiness that we're trying to pursue is going to be motivated by what's in our heart. What wisdom are you going to base your entire life from? At the end of the day, holiness is designed to make you look like Jesus. And Jesus looked like a servant. Uh, he, it allows us in this pursuit to lift up God's reputation and to treat other people with respect so that when there is the opportunity for envy and disorder, when there's the opportunity for us to live for just selfish ambition and use our words to beat people back, instead we can put holiness into practice. We can make sure that we are being motivated by God's kingdom by His covenant, by His mission, so that it becomes automatic. It's instinctive. It becomes second nature to put holiness into practice.